Well, hey guys, welcome. It's uh, good to have you here this morning. I'm glad that even though we are not able to be here together, we're still together. And that's uh, just an amazing thing. I'm so thankful for the technology that allows us to do that. I know it's been kind of a crazy season, but um, we're so thankful that you're here. And um, we're going to continue our series that we've been working on with the last words of Christ. And as I was thinking about that this week, it kind of took me back a little bit to some things that um, when I was a younger man, it's along the lines, my birthday was soon, so I'm just recently, so I have all these thoughts about what it was like when I was younger. But um, I'm kind of a big guy. You may not be able to tell from me sitting here, but I'm six foot four, weigh 270 pounds. If you've been around me, you know that I'm a, I'm a pretty big boy. All right. So uh, my whole life, people would look at me and they would say, um, do you play football? Did you play football in high school? Obviously you play football in high school. What position did you play? I'm like, no, nah, I didn't play football in high school. And so they're like, oh, it must be basketball then. And I was like, no, nah, I didn't play basketball either. So then it's, uh, well, what did you play? And I was like, well, I played the piano. And so, I mean, that's, I just not an athlete. I've never been an athletic person in my life as a whole. I was kind of like the anti poster child for the presidential fitness program growing up. I was asthmatic, overweight, flat footed, low, I had a lower back birth defect. I'm not a track star in the making by any form or fashion. But in the eighth grade, I tried out for the track team. Now, I had a friend who convinced me to do that, and he didn't, track, he didn't, he didn't get me on the track team to, to run. He got me on the track team to throw stuff. And so I was throwing shot puts and discus, and I was pretty good at it. But no matter who you were on the track team, you had to run a mile every day for warm-ups. Now, like I said, I was not the most athletic person in any kind of way. But at this point, I had never in my life completed a single lap around a track at all. 400 meters, never done it before. Um, But every afternoon I would run for the first 100 meters um, and I'd be just about fine. And then the the next 200 and the wheezing would start. My asthma start kicking in. I'd be hitting on my inhaler by 300 meters. My knees felt like they were going to explode. And uh, I just basically gave up and I would watch this, you know, go on and I'd just keep on walking that last 100 meters for that lap. And then however many of the 1200 more meters I was supposed to be running um, until Coach Drums, who was my my shop teacher, but he also was a track coach. He would tell me, hey, man, we got to stop. You can't run or do whatever you're doing any longer because we need the track for the people who actually run. And, um, you know, I would love to say that eventually I worked up to the point where I ran all four of those, um, those mile, those, those laps, but it just, it never happened. Okay. Um, but I can remember the day that I made it around the track. Now it was pretty much like every other day, but I got to the 200 meter mark and the wheezing really hadn't started all that heavy. And I was like, Oh man, you know, that's great. And 300 meters came along and I was hurting, but I could see that last hundred meters in front of me. And you know, everything started to go in slow-mo and I'm, you know, running real slow and chariots of fire is playing in the background everywhere. And every step I hit is like, you know, and I'm just, I'm making it all the way around. And I came across that line and I felt completely victorious. I was probably just a, a heaping mess of, of sweat and wheezing at, at the point in time, but I felt victorious. I felt amazing. And I can still remember that. And for some of you guys, it might sound completely pathetic, but for me in those moments, it was a massive accomplishment. And I actually stopped right there across the line and, and was just thinking about it. And Coach Drums looks at me and goes, meat, because that's what he called me. He called me meat because I was overweight and slow and asthmatic. He said, what are you doing, meat? And I was like, I ran a whole lap. 
And he's like, well, why are you stopping, man? Keep going. And I just, I, I didn't know what to do. I just started, you know, hobbling my way off for the rest of the track. But I only ran the one lap, but I finished it. And um, for me, that one lap was just this huge thing to have finished in my life. And guys, finishing things could be hard. Dave Ramsey, he's made a career of helping people finish with debt in their lives. Paying off credit cards, paying off student loans, paying off mortgages, and feeling the release and the accomplishment of being set free from all of that stuff. And I've had many, many insane friends who have taken on marathons and they finished them. Even some who have finished the Ironman. And those people should just be committed. I mean, yes, I am still not a runner, but you guys are nuts. But to run that long, working and fighting through all that pain and exhaustion to get to the the finish line, it's just, it's got to be euphoric. But finishing things is, is hard. Sometimes the fear of not finishing things sometimes keeps us from even starting. And I'll, I'll, you know, we say things like, I'll never be able to get that done, so I'm just not even going to try. And we give up before we even get going. And although you never get defeated, you also never get the win. And finishing things can also be kind of scary for some folks. You know, finishing that, it means it's done, it's over, it's complete. And this could be like finishing a relationship, you know, for a high school or a college kid who breaks up. You know, just finishing that relationship is, is difficult or even down to a divorce where we, we're in these situations where life has taken to us to a place where we have to finish something that we never thought we would. Those type of finality, those, those types of, of endings are difficult. When somebody finishes a contract for somewhere they're working, then they're no longer needed. Or maybe you're an empty nester and your kids have, have come, you know, gone off to college and your roles have changed and things are done and it's different and you're not sure exactly what to do because things are finished. It can be kind of scary. Even just moving to a new place, maybe if you're a kid going off to college soon. Moving to a new place, getting into new places, leaving behind some things, it's extremely hard to do. So we have task lists full of things, work tasks and family tasks and chores and homework and distance learning work that we're trying to catch up on because of all this stuff that's going on. And, and, and what we're living in right now with, with all this, this, this virus stuff is we're struggling because getting things done, our routines and our regular ways of doing it have all changed. And they're, or they're frustrated and we can't figure it out. And David Allen, who's the author, author of the book, Getting Things Done, says, much of the stress that people feel doesn't come from having too much to do. It comes from not finishing what they've started. And, I, you know, if you were to talk to my wife, that is all day who I am. I have all kinds of projects in the air that I've started, but I get busy and I get doing something else. And I've got all these things that I need to finish. And finishing is hard. The people of God, they've always struggled to finish. They've been made promises by God from the beginning. They end up in Egypt, but they end up in slavery. They're released by a miraculous intervention from, or intervention from God, but they want to turn back when they get to the Red Sea. They don't want to finish. They wander in the desert. Moses takes the shortcut, slaps the rock, gets water, but doesn't do it the way God told him to. He doesn't finish. They fight and conquer most of the people in Canaan, but they end up changing their tactics and allow their people to intermix and everything goes crazy and they struggle and they don't finish. Saul becomes the king, but he doesn't finish strong. Even David becomes king and he finishes a lot of things and he finishes well, but man, he struggles along the way and he's just struggling and struggling. And the people of God, they struggle with God 
even to the point that their name Israel means struggle with God. And they're on this continuing journey to find the finality of their relationship with God and enter into the timeline, Jesus. He's both 100% God, the one who makes the promises. He's 100% human, and he's, he's living in the moment just like we are. And he, divine enters time. And he would go from all-powerful, all-present, and all-knowing to limited and finite. He'd humble himself. He'd become obedient to something that he would never experience otherwise, and that's death. This is all from Philippians chapter 2. And in these moments, not even would he experience this death, but he would experience this death on a cross in capital punishment. This all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing would not only die, but he'd be killed at the hands of his own creation. This is, this is hard. And it's at these final moments that we come to these last words of Jesus that we're going to look at today before his death on the cross He's been accused, he's been arrested, he's been abandoned, he's been beaten, he's been tortured, mocked, and hung on this cross. Last week we talked about the vinegar that had been lifted to him and this, this drink that he had, this bitterness right at these last moments. And then in, verses, in verse 30 of John chapter 19, we hear this. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It's finished. In the Greek New Testament, it's only one word. We have three words that make up this one word. It is finish. But that word is tetelestai. And tetelestai was a common word that everybody standing around that cross would have been able to understand because it was seen on the receipts and the contracts all around them. It's an accounting term. So when things were stamped with tetelestai or when it was written out there, it meant paid in full. It meant that all the services had been rendered completely. It meant that payment had been received. It could be let go. It could be released. Everything was finished. And so in these moments, we think about, you know, what is it that Jesus is really talking about? What is the, the it that has been finished? And Paul tells us in Romans 6.23, he says these things, the wages of sin is death. And so, when we look at this, a wage is a, is a payment. It's due for the work or service. And so when you turn that wrench or you write that report for yourselves, when you teach that class or fly a plane, whatever you do, to do for a living, you get a wage for that. So in the human economy, the wage is dependent on the type of work that we have, your level of skill, your education, and a myriad of other things out there. But in the eternal economy, when we do the work of sin... When we say, think, or do anything that's outside of the love of God and of the love of our neighbors, we're paid the wage it commands. And according to Romans 6.23, that wage isn't dependent upon anything else but our choice to sin. And that wage is death. Now, if we go back a little bit more, Romans 3.23 tells us that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's standard for us. And therefore, payday is coming. And we are all set to get that check in the mail. It's coming. We get, we get for our sin, we get paid death. But remember back to when we were talking about Jesus and who he is. Remember when we said that the all-powerful, the all-present, the all-knowing God, he took on humanity to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
So in these moments, as Jesus speaks these final words on the cross, we all see this all-powerful, all-present, and all-knowing God take on all the sin for all of us. Scripture tells us that even when we were sinners, Christ would die for us. So we go back just a little bit further. We go back to that Romans 6, 23, but jump back just a few steps to verse 20. And it says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you, you read leads to the holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but here's the kicker, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So he has marked our books. When he finished, when he marks to Telestai and he says, this stuff is settled, this stuff is paid in full, he has marked our books that way. He's intercepted that paycheck of death He's deposited into his own account and he's transformed it and given us the payment of eternal life through him. It's finished. It's paid. The accounts are settled. The books are clear. So now we have life. So often we think of our salvation as something that depends on our actions or our ability to be good enough. And folks, I just want to clear that up for us all. There is no one who is good enough to balance the accounts of life and death. None of us. None of us have the opportunity or the skill or the power to do it on our own. G.K. Chesterton said that these amazing words, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people come alive. Folks, our salvation isn't about how good we can be. It's about how good Jesus was. His righteousness, His holiness, how he lived a sinless and perfect life in all and everything, becoming obedient to death, and death even given by this malice and envy and selfishness that that the people at that time gave to him in this capital punishment, death on a cross, to finish death forever, to pay the debt in full, and to set us free and to give us life. So from here on out, when we fall, or when we fail, or when we sin, and the invoice comes due, it'll be marked paid in full. And that's, that's sometimes that's, that's hard for us to even, even accept or understand. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, like, like I, I know that. We've fallen so hard that we don't know how we're going to ever get up from this. Or we just feel like if we don't finish it ourselves, it shouldn't count. And I get that too. And some of us, you know, may have never even heard this. Never even heard that it doesn't matter that I'm not perfect. It doesn't matter that I don't have all my stuff together. That God still loved me that deeply. So it may sound cliche, but I want to encourage us to think about something. And that is when we have this idea in our head that this is too good to be true that maybe we could flip it around and say it's good for it to be true. It's good for this to be true because we don't have it. We just don't got it to, to, to make this work for ourselves. And God knew that. And God gave us an opportunity to be in a relationship with him. And it's a gift. It's a gift that we can't earn. 
because he's already paid for it. You know, um, I'm ridiculously grateful thinking back to that time when I was on that track team that the asthmatic overweight kid, the flat-footed kid with a bad back didn't have to be perfect, didn't have to finish that mile to still be on that team. And Coach Drums, um, you know, he's still one of my heroes when I think back in my mind. And it sounds kind of selfish in some ways, but he gave me a letter that year for that team. And I so did not deserve it in any kind of way. Um, I, was, I was okay at throwing stuff, but honestly, I, I don't think I'd ever did better than third place in any meet that we had. And, you know, I just, I just tried, you know, I just got out there and did what I could, but I didn't earn, I didn't earn that. But he, he was the one who made the decision. And it's honestly his books it's his choice to do what he wanted to do. And he did that. And he gave me that. And it was a gift that I still remember and I still think about. And in the same way, I'm so very, very grateful for each of us today that it's finished. That it's paid in full. And we don't have to earn this life, but it can be ours. It's a gift from God. So once we were dead and now we are alive. And it's the good news because it's finished. It's finished.